across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pies. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon, you're listening to Flavour, food and drink in and around Cambridge. And we have certainly been in and around plenty this week, bringing you stories from the very centre to the outskirts of town. I'm Matt Bentman. And I'm Sue Bailey. And today we'll be visiting some interesting food stores at Cambridge Market and popping over to the Orchard Tea Rooms in Grantchester. We'll also take a trip to Frank's Farm in Ellsworth, a site that includes a deli and a restaurant. And Guardian columnist Rosie Sykes has some recipes for potatoes, including a dish from Mumbai. And we'll also have a pick of the latest food news, food jobs, even free food. No Alan, though, today. Uh, our colleague Alan Alder is away at the moment, but rest assured you'll be hearing his dulcet tones in a fortnight's time. So, plenty to tuck into today. And we begin with Cambridge Market. And you found some new food stores, Matt. Yeah, and one seasoned one. And that is where we're going to start. Now, as you know, it was freezing cold last week. My hands always ice up in this weather. But spare a thought for the market traders who are out in all weathers. So I had to ask a few of them. How you keep warm in winter? Oh, I, I have a special mat that's made of rubber and it's 15 millimetres thick. So that goes on the cobbles. So that stops the cold coming through. A strap-on hot water bottle is the best way to keep warm. As many pairs of trousers, as many jumpers and hoodies, great big coat. But I also wear three pairs of socks. Thermals, we tend to wear thermals and completely head to foot. Some long johns and about five different tops as well, which keeps me going. Black ladder thermal socks, amazing. Perfect. But yeah, recommend them all day long. <laughs> I think I've got about five pairs of socks on at the minute. <laughs> Just keep moving. And hats, all day long. <laughs> It's best to have some cardboard or something on the floor as well. It's absolutely freezing. And as freezing as it was, I saw one man wearing a T-shirt because his market stall was surrounded by covering on three sides to stop the biting wind. And he had gas fires to his left and to his right, and he was cooking up some really tasty Mediterranean food. Now, here's a new stall I've not seen before. Hello, sir. What's Hello. your name? How are you? I'm Rafael. And the name of your stall? Pinchito. Pinchito. In Cambridge Market. And what are you selling here today? Well, it's a Spanish food, traditional receipt, but in a modern way. Sandwich plus bravas potatoes, aubergine chips, churros with chocolate. Was food always a part of your life? It was like a hobby? Yes, yeah, yeah. But when I came here, I started to cook more. I came from Madrid. And I came here before I finished my studies and working at the same time. So I saw the opportunity to try in the market. And he decided to try it out because there wasn't much Spanish food available on the market at the time. So I said, I'm going to try because I know how to cook some typical things in Spain. Now it's going to be eight years in the market. So yeah, I'm very, very happy here. So. <laughs> Anything for you? Uh, just 
two portions of Brahmas, please. With aglioli only. Customers, are you ordering your favourites today? Yes, just a Brahmas. Patatas Bravas. Crispy fried potatoes with a slightly spicy salsa bravas sauce. Is there spicy bravas sauce? A typical Spanish tapa. He's hard to find here. Yeah, yeah, we keep missing him. <laughs> but we always come back for the bravas, it's really nice. We've worked it out now though. Yeah. So come on the Follow right days. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Can we give an example of something you said is traditional and you said served in a modern way? Yeah, but for example, the concept of the meal deal. The sandwich is mollete antequera bread. We make ourselves, and it's a typical bread from the south of Spain. It's very soft and combined very well with an ingredients. So in my case, I put with some Spanish omelette. Instead of cooking in a pan, I cook here in the griddle, put some aioli sauce, tumaca, lettuce, and you can combine with the bravas or with the churros with chocolate as a meal deal. So I think it's a different offer you don't find in Spain because the mix of the brava potato. Mm. You can continue, sorry. Yeah. How much? For 50 like this, okay. for 99 churros and bravas together. So mm. where are you from? Spain. Where are you from? Let's say if I'm a, a brand new customer, yeah. uh, anything that you would suggest? I always suggest if you're not vegan, Try the Spanish omelette sandwich because, in my opinion, the egg is the best protein. It's really, really delicious. And, you know, you remove your hungry for the rest of the day and if you combine with any side, it's really nice. It's a very good lunch. If you're vegan, I always recommend the vegan, of, of course. Everything, for example, the churros and chocolate is vegan. Mm -hmm. The aubergine chips is vegan. The bravas with the vegan alioli is vegan also. So 80% of the menu is vegan except the Spanish omelette. Yeah. Sería las bravas. Bravas a cuatro y medio, bravas y churros a eh, 4.99, berenjena frita. Can I just ask, one of the girls, she pointed out this. Yeah, this is the aubergine chips. You know, it's like um, breaded or like a tempura. It's very typical in the east of Spain. You know, it's just slices of aubergine fry. But it's a good side for a sandwich. So instead of being portions or tapas, it's like a side for the sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. In a modern way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Seasonally, I prepare also croquetas. It's croquettes. In, in my case, I always prepare instead of butter with extra virgin olive oil, the bechamel sauce. I try to be creative with the flavors. So sometimes can be the normal ones, mushroom, spinach. But sometimes I prepare one of my favorites, the margarita, like the pizza. So it's a basil tomato mozzarella in a croquette. It's very, very nice. But I prepare when I think I'm going to sell them easily, because sometimes you can bring here 100 croquettes and it's a bad day in the market, you have to throw away or something. So, you know, I choose when I bring them. But the rest is always the same. So that's Rafael and his Spanish food stall at Cambridge Market. Yes, the name of my business is Pinchito, and I'm in the market Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So you can find me here um, practically the whole year. So, no? Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, Rafael, who, he runs Pachito's stall on Cambridge Market. 80% uh, of his menu is vegan. 
The Spanish omelette, obviously, isn't there. How could it be? I love, I love Spanish omelette. But mm. one of the good things at Pinchitos is that Rafael, he offers meal deals at three different price points. And that includes the Margarita Croqueta sandwich, which he describes as having the power of 100 pizzas in a single bite. And you can also get hot fried churros with chocolate. I think that's a big seller as well. And the thing that I liked most was the aubergine chips, which you can either get as a large portion or serve smaller as part of a deal. But they are these just beautiful fried slices of aubergine. Um, so good, especially when your face is half frozen by the cold. You know what I mean? Sounds gorgeous. <laughs> mm, yum. Now, details of free food available in and around Cambridge and the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. Yeah, and today's look at Olio for Cambridge shows us that uh, Dermot, based near Kettle's Yard, he's got a whole load of bread to give away, five soft white Hovis loaves, uh, four seeded sensation loaves, and a pack of loose white buns as well. You just need to tell him how many you want and when you want to collect them. Meanwhile, Jenny in Shelford has a pack of four gluten-free white rolls and a bottle of milk for anybody who wants them. Nikki in Arbury has a new unopened bottle of pancake shaker mix and some Coleman's chicken chasseur and a box of 80 unopened tea bags, an uh, unopened 500-gram bag of spiral pasta and a tin of chicken curry. And finally, here's one I've not seen crop up before. Hanana on Mill Road. She's got seven bottles of Cura water available. Now, I had to look this up. Cura water is a kind of like a rose water. It's extracted from the pandanus trees in Asia. It's used in Indian cooking, like spicy biryanis, rasgullas, or creamy paneer gravies. So, yeah, she's got seven bottles, though she's happy to split them. And that's what I found going on in Olio for Cambridge today. Mm. And there's another free app called Too Good To Go, which has unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag ready for you to take home, instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading. OK, now for our next feature, we're heading to Ellsworth, just outside of Cambridge. Frank's Farm is a barn conversion consisting of units previously used for offices, but now it's home to an array of artisan food producers, a deli and a restaurant. And it was set up by friends Paul and Anthony two years ago, but it's only been up and running in the last few months. They wanted to create a model that could be replicated around the country to encourage and promote local quality food to support and form a community that cares about the way our food is produced and consumed. Louise Wilson went along to find out more. So this is a new setup here, Frank's Farm. Yes. So how long have you been going for? Only about two months, although we've been planning for about two years. Yeah, and what was the idea behind it? What was the concept behind it? Well, I've been running a website called Big Barn for 20 years, which is all about trying to get people out to supermarket shopping locally. But I've always wanted to actually get my feet on the ground and actually producing and selling food. So we've got this farm on the edge of Ellsworth, and we've got these farm buildings that were converted to offices in 2000, they all needed renovating, so rather than renovate them again as offices, I thought, why don't we do food? Yeah. And why don't we try and get a really good team of food producers and artisan people here? So we found a fantastic baker and a butcher. We've already got a cake maker, a biscotti and pasta, and Sam's mushrooms, and then we found this great chef, a great barista. So they've all taken different units, and we're all working with them to, um, to build this kind of perfect food park. Yeah. And then around the buildings... 
we've got a lovely park in the middle of the village that we've put cows in and that will become cows for producing milk and beef and the land behind the food park we're turning into a big growing area Mm. so not only will we have seasonal vegetables but we'll have um, an avocado polytunnel orange and lemon polytunnel tea polytunnel Mm. all kinds of really interesting things and to be doing lots of events and courses to get the local people involved and in the farm shop bit the deli we'll have a section called crop for the shop where if you've grown food in your garden you can bring it and we'll sell it for you and we're working with the local school so they're bringing us produce but what we want the school to do is i go there every thursday and we teach them about food and farming and i want them to be supplying the dinner lady and the dinner lady's going what you want you want me to cook this and they're going yeah yeah we want to cook that and we want to eat it so it'd be fantastic and how's the i mean this is a small village so how what's the reaction been so far how's it well i really positive and and to start with i took a leaflet and door knocked every house in the village to kind of see what people thought of it and most people loved the idea but the planning took a long time because the planning always does in in this country but the secret is to have the right team and what I'm trying to do is return this farm back to my great-grandfather his time 100 years ago when farms are a really important part of the community Mm. and they grew food for local people and it was hands-on yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think when he bought this farm, there's about 120 people working here, and they produced everything from milk to all kinds of meat to every kind of vegetable you can think of, and very much seasonal. So everyone knew what was going on, and they, they ate healthily because that's what was available, and they ate seasonally as well, and um, no kind of supply chain to have to go through. All the food was, was very much local. And all these villages had a butcher and a baker, and they've all gone now. I think we've got five villages that we serve, so this can all become their place to buy food. Yeah, you mentioned that you go to the schools and you sort of do some hands-on stuff with the kids there in terms of sort of teaching them, you know, about food and where it comes from and all that sort of thing. So do they come here as well and sort of experience? Yeah, we want want them to. I mean, it's difficult for um, every time children leave the school... It's quite difficult for the teachers because they all have to be supervised. So it's quite easier for me to go there and do an hour every Thursday as I do. But they absolutely love it. Mm. So we've got a polytunnel there and we've got the same polytunnel here so that people can see what we're doing. That will be producing all kinds of seasonal salads and veg. And we've got raised beds that last year we buried a pair of underpants in each raised bed and put different type of manure so we want to see which kind of manure breaks down the underpants best <laughs> and because yeah, that teaches the kids about soil biome yeah. Yeah. and they and they love it and and uh, i heard a blue peter presenter say that for 200,000 years we all grew food mm. and it's only in the last 150 that we haven't so it's very natural for us to grow food and especially for children to grow food and what we try and do is relate the curriculum to the veg patch. Mm. So for instance, we do, well, these carrots can be sold at Frank's Farm. And that was my great grandfather. We didn't mention that, did we? Frank's yeah, Farm. Yeah. This is all about Frank's Farm. <laughs> so anyway, we can sell these carrots at Frank's Farm, but Frank's Farm gets 30% as a commission for selling them. And the kids go, how much is 30%? And you go, well, don't you remember? It's out of 100, so 30 out of 100. So if the carrots are a pound, that's 30p. And they go, Oh, that's percentages. And you can suddenly relate 
all this kind of boring academia yeah. to the veg patch. And, they and I think that's the thing, isn't it? That's what you want to be teaching kids is how education relates to life. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. so moving forward, they can actually apply what they're learning to real life situations and stuff like that. So talking about, I mean, we've just spent some time in the butchers as well, and you're obviously mad on at the moment. So how's that been? Because it's must you've not been going long and you look pretty full on. So Yes, well a lot of people um a lot of butchers complain that they get a lot of business over Christmas because everyone wants wants the best meat. And then in the new year, no one comes again. So everyone who comes to the butcher, we're kind of telling them the story about where we're getting the meat from and how it should be cooked to get the best results. And I think people are realising, wow, this is different. And we've got chicken breasts in the butcher, for instance, that are a pound 30 for one. And in Morrison's, you can get two for about the same price. But the Morrison's ones are tiny and they shrink down to nothing. And we're telling this story and people are going, yeah, you're right there. I've tried that and that's true. And we're saying, well, it's the same with the pork chops and it's the same with the bacon. All of this kind of food that you buy from the supermarkets can shrink down to nothing. And it's, some of it's full of preservatives as well. So come here and chat to us, talk to us about what we're doing and what we're selling. And we're buying um, Gloucester Old Spot pork from a farmer near Gamlingay and uh, Herdwick lamb from a farmer at uh, St. Neers. And some of the Herdwick is tiny but the lambs are 28 weeks old rather than the average British, which is 12 weeks. So the meat is just so different. Mm. And it's the same with the Gloucester Old Spot. It's just a much nicer, tastier meat and it hasn't been pumped full of salty water. So I think people after 30 years of supermarkets, they're kind of waking up to the fact that, hang on, there is a better way. I was going to say, is it fair to say that we're sort of re-educating people to what food should be? I think so. I think I think people are, well, it's almost people waking up because the supermarkets are absolutely brilliant at what they do in having everything available all the time and giving everyone, I shouldn't say value because I don't think it is value. I think it's, it's a product that's very cheap and they're almost kind of competing with themselves to get cheaper and cheaper, but the food is worse and worse. Mm. And I think we need to kind of turn around and say, well, don't have meat as much as you know, you expect, have it less regularly, but have delicious vegetables with it and have really good sauces and things that we can we can help you find. And in the deli here, we've got lots of interesting mm. products that, that aren't available in the supermarkets that mm. people can try out. But it's a, it's a discovery process. And um, I think people will really like it and uh, and come regularly and it will be good value. And you said you're, you're running courses as well. So what's the plan with that? Is that to... <laughs> I don't know, is that just simply for people to learn about it and then encourage them more in terms of what they're buying? Or is it with a view to these people, I don't know, working here or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. what's, what's the well, idea it, behind it, it? It's a real mixture. Yeah. And uh, it's one of its, one bit of it is, is helping people learn more about cooking. Uh, and we'll probably do lots of cookery courses for people going to university maybe or people who are interested in different types of mm. cookery. Uh, some of it will be discovering better meats, such yes. as our sausage-making course, which is only £40, and it's three hours and you end up with a kilo of sausages. So that's very reasonable. But in the process of doing this, the cookery course, the sausage-making course, you'll discover all these other things in the butchery and you'll see all these other meats around. And hopefully that will be a great way of winning new customers mm. and, and regular customers who then tell their friends. So, it's, you know, that £40 is, is probably great value. But all kinds of courses like vegetable growing, 
people can come and do a veg making course or they can they can come and do a volunteering day in the veg patch and be paid in veg so it'd be all kinds of things yeah. and also you'll you you want everyone to work together so for example like the butchers are supplying the restaurant and the cafe and all of those so, so tell me more about that as well yeah well that that's almost our ambition to be zero waste and zero carbon eventually so that um if we get some uh, meat from this local farmer it would be very local and as much of it as possible will be sold in the butcher if it isn't all sold it goes to the cafe to be used and if it isn't all sold in the cafe then it might go into a frozen ready meal and people can buy it so the same with the veg because it's such a short supply chain it will be used everywhere and as far as carbon is concerned reducing food miles but then having solar panels here and wind turbines and ground source heat pumps to heat the avocado tunnel and the orange tunnel and finding all kinds of interesting ways of doing things and in the cow field for instance we're we're developing a chicken tractor which is a chicken pen that moves across the field very slowly under solar power so during the day it moves and then at night it shuts down and the good thing about that is the chickens are scratching around in the um, cow poo and they're eating all the larvae and spreading it around and they're producing eggs at the same time. Mm. And when the kids go to school, the chickens tractors in one place, and when they come back, it's the other end of the field. And they go, how's that going? So we're working with um, a local charity and with, with children who are going to kind of help develop that uh, mm-hmm. to do with technology and um, engineering. So that'll, that'll be great yeah. fun as well. So just sort of lastly, where are the ideas going to end? <laughs> I mean, there's just too many. Well, there's, there's ideas coming up all the time, not just from us, but from people who visit. Yeah. And, you know, that's great. People come up. And Reactive. Say, yeah, and then people come up, what about doing this? And you go, yeah, that's a good idea. Do you want to come and do it? Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we're always looking yeah. for, you know, good people to yeah. get involved. And it's all about the passion, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, people eat food three times a day. Yeah. And when you start doing nice things with food, it breeds the passion mm. and it gets people even, even more interested in it. And it's local and it's all good. And, uh, yeah, it's just a... Plus, 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 a win-win-win, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, that's super. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a wander around a bit more and, and explore. Yeah, well, so, yeah. Um, we know we're going to have lots of events here throughout the year. So um, asparagus season, apple season, uh, as new veg come on out of the polytunnel, we'll have signs up everywhere. Yeah, so if, come and visit and let's do more stories as we have events. Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Brilliant, thank you. And that's real, fresh, local food. That's Frank's Farm in Ellsworth, and you can find out more about them online at franks.farm or on Instagram at frank.s.farm and go and have a look. Yeah, and special thanks to Louise Wilson as well for providing us with that piece. Louise did a stint with us around 2017, so it was really good to hear her voice on Flavour again. On to our fewest news briefing now, starting with an opening. Fagitos on Mill Road is due to open in the next couple of weeks. Matt, you popped by recently, didn't you? Yeah, I called in on Nick the other week. Now, he's the new owner. And he was still busy sanding and painting the premises, which is next door to Finboys. So you'll find the shop at the very top of Mill Road, near Donkey Common, near the swimming pool, kind of opposite Anglia Ruskin University. And I remember the original Fagitos too, from the 90s, uh, also known as Harry's Kebab Shop. But uh, I don't know if this new Fagitos has any link to the old one. And we're going to find out soon anyway. Uh, new Fagitos has been a very long time in preparation, but it's almost ready. 
And if you're looking for a night out tonight, the 27th, then De Luca Cucina on Regent Street has a piano bar. You can sit around the piano and request songs and drink De Luca's signature cocktails. Piano bars are popular in America, Scandinavia and Germany, and Cambridge has its own one too. Now it's Seedy Sunday in Trumpington tomorrow, the 28th. This is the annual seed swap event. It's held at Trumpington Pavilion and lots of people take along their saved seeds to donate or swap. And there's also lots of heritage seeds available to buy. So you could find yourself growing some really incredibly unusual and strangely shaped coloured tomatoes, carrots, lettuces, onions and so on. But there'll also be plenty of cake. Plenty of cake, plenty of stools, plants and gardeners too. This runs from 1.30 till 4pm. Entry on the door is £2 and you can find full details online at trumpingtonallotments.org. There's a pup's brunch at Shears Amelie at the Cambridge Cookery School on Sunday the 28th. Pup's brunch actually takes place every last Sunday of the month and it's brunch for the owners and treats for their dogs. The food is from Amelie, who make their well-known skinny pizza flamcouche, a type of flatbread pizza with specific toppings hailing from the French Alsace region. If you live for cheese, and I do, I'm sure many of us do, then it's worth knowing that there is a British Cheese Appreciation Evening at Meadows on Mill Road. On Wednesday the 31st, they'll be looking at modern and traditional recipes and new British cheese producers. The evening runs from 6.30 till 8pm, and you can book a ticket online at meadowscambridge.com. The Cambridge Chocolate Festival takes place from Friday the 9th to Sunday the 11th February. All events are happening at the Cambridge Union on Bridge Street, including chocolate tastings, a festival market, chocolate food photography consisting of a workshop with a professional who will guide you in the principles of composition, lighting and presentation. There's also a screening of the film The Chocolate War, an investigative documentary on child slavery and exploitation in the chocolate supply chain, including a question and answer session with the film's creator, and it's being chaired by myself. I was delighted when Rio Falvo asked me to do it. Full details and tickets can be found online at eventbrite.com and search for hashtag CamChocoFest. OK, now here's the news of our first supper club of the year. Hi, it's Alessandra from Meadows. Just to let you know, the midweek supper club has started again. Our next one is going to be on the 1st of February. Tickets are online, so book yours. Yeah, that's right. Midweek at Meadows, it's called. Now, Meadows is the name of the deli shop that's all the way down Mill Road, located at Dutch's Corner, kind of opposite where Cutlack's Vili used to be. The supper club will consist of a main course with side dishes and dessert, and it's a way of making people aware of the quality of the food that they sell at Meadows. It costs £15 for the supper, or £18 including corkage if you take a bottle. And in that sense, don't forget that there is a lot of really great wine shops in the city, such as Amphora, Bacchanalia, Cambridge Wine Merchants, Great Britannia, or Thirsty, all those places that you could get your wine from. So, that's the Meadows Supper Club, every Thursday from 7 till 9pm. Sounds great. Now, after the break, we'll be looking at potato recipes, checking out fresh pasta and puddings on Cambridge Market and visiting the Orchard Tea Rooms. See you in a couple of minutes. 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. 
Every Saturday night on Cambridge 105 Radio, Chris Brown presents Cambridge's original Saturday Night Soul Show. It's a fantastic thing. I'm Cambridge bred and born, and so I present my show and play my soul and dance music in Cambridge. People that listen to my show, then they'll go out to one of my gigs, and when I get there, people will say, oh, that track you played on your show, can you play it tonight? It's like a gang, if you like, that I've got on a Saturday night of soul fans. Chris Brown's Soul and Dance Show, Saturdays at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. So, you've not been to Cambridge Market? Then you're missing out on a great shopping experience. On fresh fruit and veg, fabulous flowers and brilliant bookstores. On service and repairs of all types of wares, sensational street food and so much more. So stop missing out and visit Cambridge Market today. Open every day on the historic Market Square between King's Parade and the Grand Arcade. It's the perfect place to meet, eat and shop local for treats. In need of legal advice you can trust, Woodfine Solicitors offers a range of expert and award-winning legal services, whatever your problem. It's not all happy ever after for couples. Every family goes through difficult times, but Woodfine Solicitors can help you face those challenges, deal with personal crises, and get you back on track. We're upfront and transparent about our costs. Find out more at woodfines.co.uk and arrange a no-obligation chat. Woodfines. Cutting through the red tape. Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome back to Flavour. Now, here's a regular voice. It's Guardian food writer and restaurant development chef Rosie Sykes, who, amongst other things, provides us with seasonal recipes. Alan caught up with Rosie via a Zoom call to France, where they talked about what to do with potatoes. A potato curry is an excellent excellent thing and I just do that sweating a load of onions first of all and then I add whatever spices normally cumin coriander maybe a bit of cinnamon garam masala fresh ginger and garlic cook all that with the onions and then I'd add some raw potato oh maybe some turmeric as well um tomato and just cook that away and that that can be really delicious in fact I I've got a recipe in my new book, which is a, called Pav Badji, which is a very popular um, Mumbai street food. And you make a sort of almost, you cook the potatoes for ages by themselves first in just some water with turmeric and black pepper, well, in my version anyway. And then you fried your onions with all the other spices and um, ginger and garlic. And then you sort of add the mashed potato to the other mixture to make this quite thick curry, which you then, you eat it on these, on buttered, really enriched dough rolls, almost like a brioche. And you fry those in garam masala. Well, in fact, in pav masala, which is like garam masala, but it's got mango powder in it. Um, you fry them just inside face down, and then you pile this curry on top with raw onion and coriander it is so delicious and in fact i did do the recipe in the guardian in about june so if you want to do the recipe have a look on the guardian online for me and you'll find it um but then you know potatoes who doesn't love a baked potato in the winter and actually, if I'm doing a baked potato for supper, I will often do several more because then you've got something you can use as a base for a soup 
or you can use it as mash, wanting to have mash, you know, just having the resource of some ready softened potato is really quite handy. And I do think now if you're putting the oven on, you really need to fill it up, don't you? <laughs> yes, you do. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's a, a really good way to go. And also that I there's a um, a lovely thing I do with potatoes that I've baked. I either make a sort of dumpling like a gnocchi with by adding some flour and salt and egg and then just rolling them. I, I roll them into little balls and, and parmesan in there. Or the other thing I make is a sort of potato pancake. So a, a really nice thick pancake. And then that's delicious with some smoked fish and horseradish cream, a really nice sort of lunch or a starter, or you can do tiny ones as a kind of canapé vibe. So um, mash like that um, has a lot of uses. And I mean, obviously, bubble and squeak, which is a king of, of dishes, in my opinion, and a great user upper, as my mum would have called it. So, and delicious yeah, as well. those are the main yeah, absolutely. Those are the sort of things I would be doing with potato around this time of year. Yeah. Really, tell me about the just, potato um, pancake. Tell me about the potato pancake. You'd get your mashed potato and you would just flatten it and just fry it. Would you? Is that? No. Well, the one I do is actually has egg in it and a little bit of flour, so it's less like a potato cake. Which very good point, Alan, is a great thing to do with that mash. Just shape it up and 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 maybe flour it and fry it, but. But the potato pancake, you put some egg, um, flour, a little bit of cream, a little bit of bicarb to lighten it, uh, salt and pepper, nutmeg, and make a sort of batter consistency and then just fry it. Yeah, it's really nice. Really, really nice. And that was Rosie Sykes. As well as being a food writer, Rosie has a new book coming out too. It's called Every Last Bite. Save money, time and waste with 70 recipes to make the most of mealtime. And it's got practical ideas and recipes like uh, anchovy butter toast with fried egg, potato bread tart, and tuna tomato lasagna. And it's going to be published by Quadrille Publishing on the 22nd of February, and it'll be available at all our good local stores like Heifers and Waterstones. And interestingly, you can also find Rosie on the CambridgeSustainableFood.org website. There, she's given a video recipe of making the most of eating sustainably. And that is a really good website as well. It's full of so many handy ideas and ways to get involved with supporting our local food economy. Well, let's head back to Cambridge Market to check out a new food stall. It's called Molino Handmade Pasta, and it's run by a young Italian couple, Sasha, a baker, and his partner, Chiara, a pastry chef. So, we're just going to have a look at some of the products that you sell here on your stall, and the first mm-hmm. thing you picked up today... We call this the candy ravioli. They have a candy shapes. Which is vegan product, it's plant-based. The shell outside is made with spinach. Instead of using eggs, we use spinach, and it gives the... Not only the color, but the, the flavor, a little bit of spinach flavor. Mm-hmm. And the inside is filled with mushroom and tofu and uh, all the goodies. Yeah. So we have a plant-based option. I think it's good to give people an option. And for us, it's a challenge, you know, to try to experiment with the recipes and with the ingredients, you know, make it more interesting. They're pretty much brand new to Cambridge Market. Yeah, we just started in Cambridge last week. and It's been good so far. The company name has meaning for them. The company is called Mulino. The name comes from an old pub in an old town. It's a very small village, so we had basically just that one pub. 
We, we fell in love a little bit with the cuisine, which is very authentic Italian Nordic cuisine. Yeah, it's a little bit symbolic for us because when we were choosing the name, we were trying to think about something that brings us back to the origin. Obviously, the origin of our product is the flower, and it comes from the Molino. Molino. Molino means mill, so windmill. We are from the north part of Italy in a very small village near Bergamo, which is in the Milano area. Yeah, that's the tradition that we came from, but we always try to experiment and to put new product into it, so we're not just uh, exclusive to the, the traditional Italian cuisine. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't change it if I could go back. I would still come here, especially in Cambridge, which is a really nice town. <laughs> Moving on on the pasta, we got traditional egg pasta. Today's shapes is the creste, which is, is uh, supposed to resemble the crest of a uh, chicken. This shape is not very common in Italy, to be fair. We had a lot of Italians asking, what's this shape? <laughs> not sure in English if it's the right word, but it's called a, um, the rooster crest. It's not very common, but I think it's very, very cute. <laughs> and uh, we have vegan beetroot pasta, my favorite pasta today, because it's a bright pink, and uh, when you boil the pasta, it turns the water pink as well. So it's a bit of fun. We grew up in this uh, tiny village. It's funny because the weather is a little bit like here, cold and foggy winter and a lovely summer, which is not too hot. Growing up over there, you know, is a little bit out there in the countryside. So you had to come up with your own things to not get bored, basically. And for me, it was to spend a lot of time in the kitchen with my grandma and with my mother. And from the kitchen, Sasha went to culinary school. And there he met Kira. I think that's right. Sasha became a baker and Kira became a pastry chef. Speaking of which, back to the pasta. We have two types of uh, fresh pasta. One is the traditional egg pasta and the other one is a plant-based one in which we put only fresh and organic vegetables so we can put some color into the pasta, make it to a funnier shape. And then we have traditional meat ravioli. They are my grandma recipe, mix of pork and beef with some pears to give them a touch of sweetness and... Pears? Yeah, it's savory and sweet at the same time and got quite well with all the sauces that we sell as well. So we sell butter and sage sauce, which is the most traditional way to have the casoncelli, which is the meat ravioli that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a creamy buttery sauce with a touch of wine to really bring out the flavor of the sage. Kira's butter, that's your partner, yeah? Yeah, that's my butter. <laughs> The name was initially a joke, then we decided to keep it. <laughs> and then we have our um, vegan sauce, which is made with lentils and uh, porcini mushroom. Quite a rich flavor. And uh, a hot chili sauce. This is uh, a pasta sauce, but I really like this with my nachos as well. It's quite pungent. I guess being a bit of an avid meat eater, my eyes immediately go to your, your mac and chicken, your lasagna. Yeah, those are a ready-to-eat product. You just pop them in the microwave or in the oven and, yeah, dinner sorted. So, yeah, we make the paste, we, we make the, the pasta sheets ourselves, mm -hmm. the ragu. So uh, everything is from scratch. My partner Chiara, she is a pastry chef. She likes to do those traditional biscotti. Those are cantucci and they're uh, nutty and light. And then we have almondine. It's a little bit like an amaretto, but without the sourness, so it's sweeter. We want to add more product, like instead of using eggs, like using tomatoes, spinach. How do I say? It's uh, very rewarding. So 
you take if you take pride in what you do and you're happy and you see people that are happy with your product and you meet people as well. So you can find our product at the Cambridge Market on a Fridays and on a Saturday at the Meadow in Mill Road. On a Sunday we are in Northstow, which is a nice village outside Cambridge. There's a nice community over there, I have to say. It certainly is. And so Cambridge Market on Fridays, as Kira said, Meadows in Mill Road on Saturdays, and Northstow Market on Sundays. They also do home deliveries as well, so you've got to like, order by Wednesday, and then they will deliver it to you on the Friday. And you can find Molino Handmade Pasta online on Instagram, at Molino underscore Handmade Pasta. Well, time for a bit more news now. And if you think you know your way around a bottle, knowledge-wise, then there's a pub quiz at the Cambridge Wine Merchants Cherry Hinton Road branch on Wednesday the 31st. It costs £20 for a team of four to enter and the quiz includes a blind-tasting round. If you want to book your team, then just pop into their Cherry Hinton branch or give them a call on Cambridge 214-553. Also at the Cambridge Wine Merchants Cherry Hinton branch is a Great Wine Rivers of Europe wine tasting. It's on Wednesday the 7th of February. Tickets are £30, available from the Cambridge Wine Merchants website. And it looks like the tasting is going to be hosted by Steve Hovington. Now, Steve is a wine expert who also teaches WSET courses. And WSET stands for Wine, Spirit and Education Trust. Jancis Robinson is an alumni of the WSET, so you know you're in good hands when you're on a wine course or attending a talk with a person like Steve. Well, there may not be much left of January, but Aromi has a buy one, get one free offer at their pizzeria on Bennett Street, and it's been running all month in celebration of their recent Blue Ribbon Award. The final days of this offer run from Monday the 29th until Wednesday the 31st, from 6pm each night. There's a pop-up market at Flourish Farm Shop on Saturday, the 3rd of February. Molino Pasta, who we just heard, will be there with their fresh artisan pastas and sauces, as will Meadows with their cheeses. And there's also Scotch eggs provided by the Kitch Hen. (laughs) Isn't that a brilliant name? There'll be plenty of other traders there on the day with hot drinks and baked goods from the Linton Kitchen, who are next door to Flourish, I believe. So that's Flourish Farm Shop, Cook's Pen Farm in Hildersham. La Dispensa is an Italian deli on Chesterton High Street that we featured last year. They've sourced new chorizo from a family that have been producing charcuterie for the last hundred years, according to traditional recipes with no additives. We thought that it was worth mentioning here because Chesterton High Street has an Italian and a Hungarian deli very close to each other, both new and both with delicious charcuterie that we tried in the studio. Yeah, it was lovely stuff, wasn't it? It was so addictive. It was gorgeous. Addictive isn't the right word, but it's so much flavour. So much brilliant flavour. So that, the charcuterie along with bread, cheese, wine, grapes, pâté, that's my death row final meal. And uh, not to be outdone on the charcuterie front, you can get award-winning free-range salami, copo and brazola, that's all air-dried pork loin, from the Norfolk-based marsh pig, available at Bushel Box Farm Shop in Willingham. And that is all our news for today. Well, we last visited the Orchard Tea Rooms in Grantchester some seven or eight years ago, and there's been a bit of a change there since the COVID lockdown, one of them being a new manager in Jessica Harper, and I paid a visit the other week to check out the site and the menu. Right by the river in Grantchester, the most beautiful place in both winter and summer. Jessica, it's been taken over fairly recently by the people who have the Flock Cafe in Burwash. How has this changed things? 
if at all. We have started kind of a, a different sort of menu. We now kind of focus on more brunch lunch and changed a lot of the dishes. We plan on doing, I think, in the next year or so, we'll have a refurbishment, but hopefully to keep kind of all the character of the building and the garden in keeping with what it is. Yes, of course, because in the summer, and we're looking out onto this now, it's the beautiful orchard where there's always the green deck chairs and the history of people coming to the orchard for a hundred or so years. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the orchard? The orchard was first opened as a business in 1897 and it was Mrs Stevenson who used to live in Orchard House. I think it was her students who wanted to take cream teas in the garden. So since then, I mean, that's kind of the tradition of the place, the cream teas, cakes, everything like that. So I think we're obviously keeping all that the same. What do you find is the most popular? Do people still want cream teas in the winter? I mean, a lot of people do still want cream teas in the winter, but I think menu-wise is probably our soup, which actually comes with the cheese scone anyway, so you still get the best of both, I think. And what about your brunch-type food? What type of things do you do? Um, yes, so we, kind of, we have avocado on toast and different things like that. I think we do kind of try to keep our menu in with the season now. So, it, I mean, we should hopefully have a new menu coming back in March, which I think will still be brunch, but more summery. And do you know the orchard very well? Because you've been here for the last five years and, and sort of steered things through COVID. That must have been a bit of a challenge. It was, <laughs> I think, because we are quite popular and we are quite popular with tourists. I think the most challenging thing is um, always kind of being ready for a coach load to turn up. I mean, it's it's all been, it's always really fun working here anyway. But also, where people go to have teas inside has changed. And so you don't come in through the front entrance anymore. Why is that? During the winter, when we're a bit quieter, it's uh, I think it's quite nice to do table service and... I think it, it gets us kind of talking to more of the customers, which I think is quite nice. I hope, I plans possibly for the future is we'll keep the table service side, but also the front open. During the summer period, so you'll kind of have, get to pick what you want, really. Oh, that's rather nice. And it's certainly nice and warm upstairs. He, yes, I mean, we, we keep the heating on during the day. It's very, very nice and tasty. And I mean, we had some new furniture putting up there. It does look very, very lovely. It does, and you've got this sort of nice casual seating area, which it, I was very surprised to see, and I thought, oh, this is nice. <laughs> and then it works well, it works well. When does the summer season actually start, or spring season start? When do you put the deck chairs out? I think we'll probably start putting the deck chairs back out in February, late February time. And then by that time, I think a lot more people will start sitting outside again. Yes, the hardy souls, depending <laughs> on what the weather's like, of course. What about things like animals? Do you allow animals in the in the restaurant at all? Because now so many people are bringing their dogs everywhere. What do people do? We do allow dogs inside and we even offer them. We have some treats at the bar so they can grab one if they like. Oh, that's really nice. It's very good to be dog friendly because I think so many people, again, post-lockdown, got their dogs, didn't they? So tell me what your plans are probably sort of spring, summertime. How much do you think things will change menu-wise? I think for the spring, summertime, we'll probably bring more salads onto the menu. Probably keep the soup on until summer. But yeah, it would just be a lot more seasonal with everything. And I gather now you've got the chef side of things well organised and that that things here, shall I say, are sort of more structured than they used to be? Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, I think it is a lot more structured. Now we're not so summer, winter. We have, do have a lot more business during the winter now. That, I think, 
you kind of keep hold of the same staff, which is really good. Oh, that is nice. Yes, that's lovely. What would you say is the biggest challenge with the Orchard Tea Rooms at the moment? To be fair, it's actually quite well organised at the moment, so there isn't really any challenges. Oh, that's rather nice to hear. I mean, from from the point of view of, of the food area, this has been, we often are hearing sort of stories of, of getting staff and retaining staff, but it doesn't sound like you've got that problem. No, a lot of our kind of summer staff come back every year, so I think obviously they enjoy working here, which is a good thing, so we don't really have that problem so much. That's lovely. Oh, that's excellent. It is so nice to be back in the Orchard Tea Rooms and we always used to come here after digging in our plot and we will definitely, as soon as the weather gets a bit warmer, you'll be seeing a bit more of us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I was last there in the summer, so it's such a brilliant place to spend the afternoon. But you said, you said it's nice in winter as well. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely toasty and lovely and I really fancied their cheese scone and soup. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's music signalling time for news from social media. And Cambridge Sustainable Food have been tweeting about their new catering service. It's Well, this is interesting because the service helps prevent food waste and all profits go into supporting community food projects around the city. Booking for that can be done via their website, uh, cambridgesustainablefood.org. So if you're interested, why not go along and check it out? Meanwhile, the Maypole Pub is having a pizza promotion on Sundays and Mondays. If you buy a pizza with toppings, you'll get a free pint. That sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? So that starts this Sunday, the 28th. And finally, Biscotti di Debra. She's a local cake maker. She was on the programme a few years ago, and she tweeted this morning to say that she now opens her kitchen in Dry Drayton to the public on Saturdays, selling Italian-style hot chocolate and luxury donuts. And that is your brief slice of social media news for food in Cambridge today. Now let's head back to Cambridge Market for our final feature, where I met a chap called Will Hodge, and he runs a store whose speciality during these cold winter months is hot custard. My name is Will. Will operates a company called Crumbelievable here on Cambridge Market. He and his partner worked in hospitality, which, as we know, was particularly badly hit by the coronavirus. He worked in nightclubs, and they were closed down almost instantly at lockdown. But we've both always had a passion for food and cooking, so whilst we had lots of time on our hands, we built it by cooking and making sweet treats, really. In the first week, we sold about 150 boxes. Yeah, Cambridge Market came along. Yeah, and we've just grown from there. And, and they have a wholesale arm, too, doing tray bakes, being sold to local indie coffee shops and university coffee shops, too. So the evolution for the market came along with the hot crumble pots. Uh, and again, the ethos for that really does carry through supporting local business, sustainability. All of our fruit comes from Cambridge Market. We take it away to our production kitchen, we bring it back to Cambridge Market. So all of our packaging is biodegradable. And... I mean, in theory, we're just coming to the end of a vicious cold snap. Yeah, colder the better for the crumble side of things, without a doubt. We are the opposite to most businesses. We thrive in the winter and early months of the year. The summer becomes really difficult because the crumbles, while there, are, there is still a market for the crumbles, we believe. We haven't traded it yet during the summer, but we do believe there is definitely challenges there. Now, this gadget here, which yep. is what keeps your custard going. So that's actually a hot chocolate dispenser. OK. 
using the custard, really. That's nice. It reminds me of seeing the slush puppy machines as a kid. Yeah, of know? course, yeah. And yeah, anything yeah. like this, very visual, it's going to catch a kid's eye as they're walking through the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things about the crumbles is it plays on nostalgia. We find that a lot with the bakes as well, the ones that, you know, where we use a jammy dodger or we use something, the nostalgic product, they really seem to take off. And the simpleness of an apple crumble is timeless, really, you know. The crumble is not just apple crumble. It is a build-your-own crumble. So we'll have a number of fruit fillings. Today we've got apple and cinnamon and apple and raspberry. So you pick your base and then you pick your crumble toppings. So at the moment you can have like a rolled oat crumble, traditional shortbread crumble or a cookie dough crumble. I think, you know, today we've got a Biscoff crumble as well. And again, they can change throughout the year. One of the other things that's really grubbing for us at the moment as well is the hot brownies. People love a brownie as much as they love a crumble. Yeah, yeah. And in the winter, they're going to love it hot and they're going to love it with custard. The decor that runs through it is everyone loves custard. <laughs> so if you can put custard on it, it's a, it's a fun place to be, really. Well, should we go around the front of the yeah, store of and just pick out some of the items here that you'd maybe like to champion for the listener? You know, things they should really give a go. Yeah, OK, so the millionaires are probably our most popular product. The twist on those is that rather than using a shortbread base, we use a cookie dough base, mm. and then they're topped with premium confectionery. So the two we've got today is a Galaxy Cookie Dough Millionaire and a Biscoff Cookie Dough Millionaire. They sort of far outsell anything else that we do. Oh, do they? Yeah, by a mile. <laughs> and again, just touching on the nostalgia, we've got the Jammy Dodger Blondie. And we've got a range of vegan products, which again, really popular, more so in the last few years. When you've got Biscoff and Oreo and day-to-day, week-to-week, we'll have different products available on the market. What do you love? I think my favourite is probably the Kinder Bueno and Nutella Blondie. Yeah. Again, one of our staple products that you'll always be able to find on the store. Or the Cornflake Brownie, because everyone loves a cornflake cake. Again, nostalgia, I think, from when I was a kid. We are Cambridge Luxury Bakes. We've got a website, cambridgeluxurybakes.co.uk. Um, that is also an online shop, so any products that you want, you can buy on there, and it's done by next day postal service all over the UK. Lovely, thank you very much. Excellent, thank you. And you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, you certainly are. And many thanks to Will Hodge and his crumbelievable hot custard crumble stool. <laughs> There's Green Onion signalling the start of our job section, and we are mentioning Meadows again for about the fourth time today. But they have got part-time positions available in food prep and customer-facing roles. You don't need retail experience. Transferable knowledge from another field is just as good. They pay living wage or higher, staff discounts, and weekends off on rotation. Now, these positions are available at both their Newnham and their Mill Road stalls. If this interests you, then you can email your CV and covering letter to meadows at meadowscambridge.com. Homerton College are looking for a chef to party. It's 37 hours, five shifts over seven days, just under 29k a year, free on-site parking, subsidised gym membership and pension. To find out more, just go to homerton.cam.ac.uk. Pembroke College needs a pastry chef. It's 37 and a half hours a week on a shift system across seven days. Pay is 30,000 a year. You'll need to be flexible to work when required and have a minimum two years experience. Application forms can be found on their website at pem, so that's P-E-M, 
www.cam.ac.uk. And finally, CoFarm, the award-winning community farm charity in Cambridge, has a full-time, although part-time may also be considered, paid opportunity available for a community engagement officer. And they will ensure that the farm continues to offer a welcoming, happy environment for new and existing co-farmers and visitors. Pay is 38k full-time equivalent and it's a two-year contract with extension subject to funding. To make an application, head online to cofarm.co and click the Work With Us link. Applications close on Wednesday, 14th February. And that is your full plate of flavour for today with Extra Yorkshire Puds. Don't forget you can catch this programme on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon. We are repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm and will also be available as a podcast. And coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1pm is the Gadget Guide with Robin Lawrence. 2pm it's Sue Marchant's selection, but that's all from us. We'll be back on the 10th February with lots more food and drink, news, jobs and features. And so until then... Goodbye. Goodbye.